All right. Uh, good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's news from the drug war front. It's 28 minutes to 11. And uh, my name is Jeff. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Jeffrey. And good morning, listeners. How are we all this morning? Time to listen to us on the radio show. Indeed. After the crickets, we are. Always remember, when you hear those crickets, we're just about to come on after they've thanked the Rotary Club and everybody else that's gone. Indeed. But Indeed. it's a good show. And it is a good show. We're happy to hear about what's going on on the earth. They do very good programs and very relevant topics and lead quite well into ours i think jeffrey really don't they just why we don't really mind them going a couple of minutes over well time. the state of the planet is fairly uh, important totally and, relevant to yeah. us I mean, without the st- planet continuing although continuing as it is given the number of volcanoes at the moment jeff which is just driving wasn't just the footage from space of that volcano blowing up just Unbelievable. The one from Samoa. Yeah, yeah. Tong- oh. Tonga? Tonga? Tonga. Yeah, Tonga. No, Samoa. Samoa and Tonga. But it's affected all of that. All of that whole area. And just yeah. frightening stuff. And there's, um, what Jack said to me this morning, another one from, oh, where did he say it was? I know the one at La Palma is still going anyway. I know there's another one in Japan, 6.6 one. Okay. Um, Earthquake. They're just regularly kicking along you and know wild just weather. another one boom 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 yep. boom boom you know if we don't think that the last you know two years has taught us anything apart from how to deny you know responsibility for covid it's certainly taught us that we need a plan for the for emergencies oh, and if, if the labor party wants to do anything to get into the election they do it any one single thing that would help, it would be devise an emergency plan mm. because we've had so many emergencies over the last two years. You know, pandemic, bushfires, bushfires, hail, dust storms, yeah. you name it, we've had it. And yeah. if that's not related to the climate, someone's not thinking. Oh, this yeah. wild weather. All and over the, the denial place. of responsibility for or <laughs> denial of doing anything to help with this really. Anyway. Yeah. Let's get back to the show, but I want people to remember, you know, the earth matters to us as much as to it. without an earth we don't have us we've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And you can't eat money. <laughs> you can't eat money, that's true. <laughs> All right. Um just to give you a flavour of some of the uh, stories that Mary and I are gonna chat about. We've got an opinion piece uh, entitled Time for change which sort of a bit of a just a brief overview of 2021 um, in the area of drug law reform and uh, also on the national scene um, there's plans by the Australian yeah. Tax Office to bring in a hardline drug and alcohol policy. Yeah and we'll just kick off with those and we've got some good music today too. Next week is actually Australian APRA, APRA Australian, Australian performing Recording, recording artists, artists yeah. or something? Yeah. I thought it was this week, so I've actually yeah, brought Australian music in. But that's in. okay. We don't mind doing Australian music no. anyway. We've got excellent Australian musicians now and since the 60s anyway. There's no, nothing, nothing to really be ashamed that of, Australian no. musicians haven't managed to achieve in terms of quality music. Absolutely. But and all were are memorable and still pertinent, you know, still relevant today. They've yeah. actually carried on. 
Anyway. I agree completely. Let's get on to uh, what right. we're doing. Let's do this opinion piece. It's from 360edge.com. Uh, oh, hang on. No, we're no. not going to introduce yes. karma, maybe? What am I thinking? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome listeners to News from the Drug Warfront, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, which is a peer-based community-controlled drug use organisation with over two decades serving the ACT. Now, the aim of the show is to, um, of course, yeah, provide some news of what's happening in the world of the war on drugs uh, and also uh, debate and chat about the, the harm done by prohibition, which um, really in the modern era began on a global scale with the 1961 United Nations Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs. And sadly, these global policies largely remain unchanged. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge the efforts of peers and activists who've contributed to the struggle against the war on people who use drugs and uh, encourage people to um, think about, you know, drug war propaganda and, um, yeah, just think a bit more about yeah. the and, issue. And, and maybe even get involved. Discuss, Think about it yourself. Discuss it with your friends. Discuss it with people you know. Discuss it with people who maybe aren't your friends and have a completely differing opinion from ours and find out how their argument holds up against what we say which is we don't assume is right we just agree with tend to agree with most of the things that we report on and how we respond to them anyway uh, Karma provides is a peer-based organisation. It's co-located with the Connection, which is peer education for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander drug users, illicit drug users. Um, both services are co-located at uh, the Church's Centre in Belconnen, Shop 17, Level 1, 54 Benjamin Way. Uh, the drop-in is open again and the hours are 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. The office phone number is 6253 3643. So if you want to get in touch with Karma but don't want to go in, which is fine, particularly at the moment, at the moment COVID, COVID is yeah. um, raging yeah. around the ACT, New South Wales and Victoria in particular, yeah. um, then it's that fine. Out? Ring up because you can make contact and you, the kinds of services you can get from there are opioid maintenance, we can provide information on, sorry, yes. opioid maintenance treatment like methadone, buprenorphine and more recently long-acting injectable forms of bup like buvital and sublocade, treatment for hepatitis C, the impact of stigma and, hep and uh, discrimination, the availability of detox and rehab services, all issues faced by people adversely impacted by prohibition and the war on people who use drugs. That's us. Indeed it is. Uh, there's a, just thing, one thing I want to, looking at my hands as I hold on to this bit of paper, something I want to remind people of this week in particular is safe injecting. Yes. Um, and making sure that you are very cautious about swabbing everything washing your hands before yep. you inject, swabbing the spoon, swabbing the area you want, you're going to inject in, um, making sure that you use a clean fit every time. Yes. Um, and using, there's plenty of injecting equipment available through needle exchanges and uh, various other um, outreach services. So there's no reason why you should be having an unclean hit. And as I say, as I look at my hands, uh, and I should know better, um, I've learnt now, because I'm on a 
long scope of um, long treatment of antibiotics, which is what you need. The streptococcal infection can be so pervasive and so long-lasting. Six weeks is going to take me to get over this slack injecting period that I have participated in, and I want you all to be take note and take it from me. Antibiotics work, but it's better not to get yeah. infected in the first place. So yep. please, safe shooting. Safe practices always. Yep. Yep. Okay, uh, the contents of this news from the Drug Warfront uh, broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views and or policies of the Canberra Alliance for Harmonisation and Advocacy. Karma does not condone, but nor does it condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. Karma recognises that drug use happens. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. Karma seeks to reduce the harms associated with drug use as well as the harms associated with the criminalisation of drug use through the provision of empowering programs that concentrate on community development, person-centred holistic health care and equity of health service delivery for all people. And as I usually add at the end, just to be treated like anyone else really would be absolutely um, not too much to ask, you would hope. Not, we just don't want to be treated like other well, you just hear so many stories of people being treated as other or stigmatised or looked down at. Yeah, I oh know, exactly. Yeah, going into treatment services, Geoffrey, just to get my hand looked at and really I've been so well treated by the walk-in services. Yeah, I remember you said... Um, yeah. And I just... Well, I want to reiterate that because I've been going to a different one because the one at Dixon was closed. Okay. I went to the Belconnen one. And they're very sympathetic to the fact that there is no way in the world that I can go to a hospital for 24 yep. hours yep. and be stuck on an um, okay. uh, antibiotics by an intravenous injection. Drip, or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So it, they really do look after you. But that's the walking centres. The hospital, I've heard cases where, in fact, somebody's gone in and said that they were an injector and the doctor pushed themselves away as far as possible wow. away from the individual towards the, the wall and sit back and say, no, there's nothing I can do for you. No. Really horrendous, yep. really discriminatory and stigmatising behaviour. And it makes you not want to tell anybody anything. Absolutely. And not get treated. And not get treated. Yeah. Which leads to worse outcomes. And, and the thing about these, the walk-in centres, was that they went out of their way to make sure I came back for treatment by making it as easy as possible for me awesome. to turn up and to be looked after and have my dressing changes Good. and to keep on taking the antibiotics. So I'm really impressed with their performance and I think you, you know, listeners should be aware that they are very sympathetic um, and empathic about you know, being a drug user and will look after you no matter what they do. And as a rule, will not make a judgment about your yeah. behaviour, except in as much as they say, be careful, yeah. take it easy, yeah. look after yourself. If you're going to use, use carefully. Shouldn't and be too cleanly. much to ask, yeah. Shouldn't be too much to ask. Yeah. All right, we'll play a first song. This is um, uh, one of my favourite Spiderbait tracks. It's their take on the classic uh, Black Betty. Well, oh, that was a pretty good version of uh, Black Betty. Sure was. Spider Bait. <laughs> 
Okay, it's coming up about, uh, what have we got? Nearly 14 minutes till to 11 o'clock. You're listening to News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, Karma. And Public Radio, 2XX, 98.3 FM. Yes, People Powered Radio, which um, we uh, always acknowledge as a great supporter of uh, our show and many other um, independent voices. In fact, 12.30... Yeah, Rod's... Um, Rod's uh, Lunchbox. Lunchbox. Yeah, he's, he's it will got... be on, and we'd like you to listen to that too, another locally produced show that 2XX uh, encourages people to come in and provide entertainment and to produce locally uh, local content. If you like classic people. rock and roll, yeah. Rod's your man. Listen to Rod. Yeah, you yep. want, want to hear some good, good music. Okay, look, we mentioned this opinion piece from 360edge.com. Uh, it's called Time for Change. Uh, although 2021 was a difficult year for many, it saw some pretty major drug law reforms both locally and abroad. In the USA, we saw Oregon become the first US state to decriminalise the possession of all drugs after passing a ballot initiative in late 2020. The move is sparking discussions in other states to do, this, do the same. In another pioneering step, New York City became the first US state to open, quote, overdose prevention centres to allow supervised injecting. And Which that's is been a safe shooting, safe injecting centres as yeah. we have here. Yeah. yeah. That's long what time. they call them, overdose prevention, which is their, their reasoning behind it. Yes, yeah. long time coming. doesn't matter whatever they call it. As long as it's there, that's what counts, yeah? So long as it's there, that's what's counts. Yeah. A safe place for people. Um, yeah. Yep. In 2021, Scotland expanded diversion initiatives for Class A drugs in a move that's been described by advocates as an acknowledgement of the failures of criminalisation in the country. Um our always two steps ahead cousin, New Zealand, also enshrined pill testing as a protected service under the law. This is a testament to the wonderful work of drug checking organisation Know Your Stuff in providing a strong evidence based uh, providing a strong evidence base for this much needed harm reduction intervention. Yep. At the end of the year, Malta became the first <coughs> European nation to approve cannabis for personal uh, use. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Mal- yep. Mal- Malta doesn't uh, often come up. Uh, no, don't hear that as a groundbreaking territory, really, no, do we? but good for them. Yeah. There was also some progress on the local front. The ACT continued its leadership on drug law reform. After 30 years of decriminalisation of possession of um, small, small amounts of cannabis... Yeah. Uh, they allowed the growing and use of homegrown cannabis in 2020, and a fresh bill is before the ACT Legislative Assembly to decriminalise the possession and use of small quantities of all illicit drugs, as we've reported. There's listeners to the we show have. will know. Yeah. This bill has received a thumbs up following a select committee inquiry, so it is likely to become law. Wow, that's great. Following the Mental Health Royal Commission, Victoria now has an opportunity to enhance the alcohol and other drug sector with the government committed to implementing all 65 recommendations. Very few were focused on the alcohol and other drug sector, and there is still a real risk to the sector with calls to, quote, integrate, and quote, the alcohol and other drugs and mental health sectors. More about that soon. There were a few black spots among the progressive reforms. The New South Wales Ice Requiry Report, which provided an excellent breakdown of best practice responses to methamphetamine use, has so far had most of its recommendations dismissed by the New South Wales Government. And the inquiry into the use of cannabis in Victoria report fell well short of a commitment to real reform. 
And we're still seeing the failures of the war on drugs, prohibitionist mindsets reflected in Australia with a particularly egregious example in a highly stigmatising Australian Federation Federal Police campaign for Halloween. And the announcement in December, with so, uh, so far with no detail, of Victorian police, quote, engaging with schools on a range of issues, including alcohol and other drugs. Oh, I can only imagine what that... That means the don't do it campaign, yeah, another I assume. One. Yep. But the wins for the last for the last year, but the wins for the last year for global drug law reform give us hope for a fairer and more evidence-based set of reforms in 2022. If you're interested in the history of Australia's drug laws, read our article in The Conversation on how quirks of history have led some relatively low-risk drugs to being criminalised, whilst high-risk drugs, such as alcohol and tobacco, remain legal. Which we've discussed many times, haven't we? We have, and have talked about the, just the ridiculous nature of that, how that just goes against all rational thought really, when yeah. they are two of the most damaging drugs that we have ever seen made available and promoted to the population mm. as cure-alls in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, have a cigarette and be a sophisticated, you know, and relax and be a sophisticated person. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a problem, have a drink after work. Yeah, yeah? just part of That'll settle you down Yeah, <laughs> until it winds you up and makes you bash your wife. Yeah, it's got some downsides. Anyway, that uh, excellent piece uh, and a good kind of rough overview yeah. of 2021. It's nice to hear some good bits for a change uh, that we've got some progression happening. Yeah, and yeah. I think the ACT is at the forefront in our country. And, Indeed. Uh, the ACT government deserves, you know, recognition and Absolutely, Praise. and although there's, it's not said in there, the um, approach from the ACT government towards pill testing is on, on par, yes. basically, with New Zealand. Yeah. Although New Zealand has made it law, mm. Australia is still piloting it. Mean, the ACT is still piloting it, but I think there uh, is probably good uh, indications that it may well be brought into being, that pill testing may br be brought into building being particularly at um, raves There's momentum or behind at young it. people's yeah. um, events, Definitely. musical events, yeah. Definitely. Um, might just do a last plug for the Harm Reduction Australia survey, which they do every two years uh, to give people an opportunity, um, if you're working in or associated with drug and alcohol programs, to have your say about policies and oh, issues. Oh, yes, that's right. We talked about this last week. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it, I think... It, uh, the last date's the 31st, so... Um, OK, so it's coming up. Um, you've still got time to, to, to do it. Uh, have you say about uh, policies and issues affecting the sector and the wider community? Um, Harm Reduction Australia are conducting a survey right now with responses closing on 31st of January. Uh, there's no financial incentive for completing the survey. However, if you're interested, the survey is available through the Harm Reduction Australia website at Harm Reduction Australia, just all running together, dot .org.au. Dot yeah. takes around 15 minutes to complete. Um, and just a, a local um, piece of information. The yeah, the Canberra Hospital Detox is closed for approximately four weeks. They are offering an at-home outpatient alcohol withdrawal service. The number to call is 5124 9977. Well, and that's it's only an al alcohol withdrawal service. Don't 
illicit drug use require any support when they're being? Well, is it because it's not deadly? or perceived not to be deadly. I'm not sure of the reasons behind or The why. rationale behind that stuff yeah. is probably anybody's guess anyway, Geoffrey. I guess that was probably rhetoric, and my apologies. Yeah, no, but... I was asking you a question there's no way you could know the answer to. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think the whole system is under stress as well, is that really? The whole health system, They GPs. have got the phone number there, though, for the outpatient detox service, well, yeah. Well, that's helpful, yeah. <laughs> 5124 for the Canberra Hospital de Detox Outpatient, uh, at-home outpatient alcohol withdrawal service. And if you need um, withdrawal from any other drugs, you might ask them on that telephone line, 5124997, what you might do about withdrawal from any other kinds of drugs. Indeed. Just to see if what happens, see if you get a result. Yeah. No, look, I, I think there needs to be um, a significant investment in services for a whole range of substances. You know, there's nothing to Indeed. really help people wanting to stop using ice. Um, yeah, well... No pharmacotherapy. It hasn't been discussed, hasn't been planned. There's no talk about it because people are at a loss as to what to do. When I say people, I'm actually th talking about the system. Mm as such, has no idea on how to deal with ice, how to withdraw people from it, how long it takes, because, in fact, we know that at least psychologically it can be up to two, three years mm. before people have actually really got shed the themselves yeah. Yeah. of the effects of ice. Yeah. Uh, but physically, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, no, that's... that's yeah, a, so it's something to, to be thought about. So we're not going to have time to do the tax office one until after the news. We'll do it after the news. Yeah. yeah. So uh, have we got... No, not really enough time to do maybe another song before the news. Um, I was going to play the one you selected, the Russell Morris one. The, Is that the real no, thing? That's about six minutes. It's about minutes, six minutes. Yes, yeah, so that's yeah, a little bit no, long. Yeah, no, don't do that. Save um, it, and so we can hear the whole lot of it. Indeed. Well, it's such a classic. I it's remember a the great first song. time I ever heard it um, as a youngster, and it stands up today. Oh, it's a fabulous song. I, I think I told you um, we met Russell Morris when he came to do a concert in Canberra. Um, he was really very young. I mean, we were younger. <laughs> we were like only 18, 19 at the time. And he might have been, what, 21, 22. Um, but he was just, you know, he was actually quite really, very shy and um, not a great party person as such. And we were having a party after the concert and he came to the party, but like only for about half an hour because he was a bit, sort of, as I say, shy. But just remarkable. The real thing is an incredible song and it has held up so well over all this time. And that was, what, 1968, 69? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And wasn't Molly Meldrum involved as producer? He certainly was. Yeah. And there was Max Oldfield was the guy in Canberra that was a promoter for a long time and ran a lot of concerts here and ran the dance at the Albert Hall uh, and a place called Bertie's because his name was Albert, oh, so okay. it was called Bertie's. Oh, yeah. It was downstairs disco. We often had uh, bands play down there. Um, it was the place to be. That's where Way the music was before Captain Jack's or anything. It was really the first um, disco in Canberra, if yeah. you like. Yeah. Live music's been one of the real things that suffered from COVID, hasn't oh, it? Oh, really? it certainly has, yeah. Great pity. And my sorries out to all of the you know, live musicians who have such a hard time these days. 
they can connect over you know over over social media, but really that not good enough playing together is. Yeah, it's stimulating. It makes a, a whole audience. lot of difference. Yeah. And presenting at a concert, you know, having concerts something what we want to get something that we want to get back to. Oh, absolutely. Being live, being with people. Yeah. And I'm really missing that. I think a lot of people are missing yeah. that. Yeah. The musicians I know are missing it, and as are actors. Well, you know, and all sorts of performance. All sorts of creative arts. Yeah, yeah but theater. just as a human being, I'm missing the community contact, yep. the day-to-day contact, and, you know, seeing people every day not knowing what their facial expression is, whether they're sneering at me or smiling and trying to look at their eyes and tell... Read what they're thinking. Read what they're thinking. Can't do it. Sorry, I operate... Very heftily Visually. on facial expression. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important to yeah. me to understand people and how they're thinking. They're thinking. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the mental health implications will be years in the, you know. Oh, and how long are we going to be doing this? Well, for, that's also you know, true. It's not, not like it's over. No, not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. Anyway, we've got the 11 o'clock news coming up yeah. and uh, we'll be back after the news. Yep. All right, welcome back to uh, News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy. <laughs> Tongue twister in that. Um, just to mention that Karma services are all um, operating, except for um, some of our outreach uh, barbecue activities. And if you want to get assistance, um, the office number is 6253-3643. That's 6253-3643. Uh, as promised, we're going to play Russell Morris's uh, The Real Thing uh, while Maz is having a ciggy, and uh, we'll be back after that. Here's Russell Morris. How about wow, that? That is, that's over 50 years old, that yeah, track. Yeah. Yeah, hadn't even left high school, Jeffrey. It's good. We just talking while we were off air, listeners, about how good our range of, how extensive our range of music appreciation is. It actually starts very, because I'm so old, um, that really starts from almost the beginning of the takeoff of Australian music, particularly I mean, with quality music like that, and we've done, you know, the Masters Apprentices and the Loved Ones and all the way up through till today when we've got people like Dave who keeps us up to date and Damo and you still keeping music going in your head and, and me, I just drag up all the old ones that I adore well, like that, that. That was a classic man. Yeah. I haven't heard that in years and it stands yeah, up. Yeah, it's really good to hear them again, isn't it? And In the context, where we are talking about things we know and things that are important to us and music that brings up our history and how long we've been on this earth mm. talking about these issues yeah. and the, how long they've been relevant for, yeah? Since yeah. 1961, this is eight years later, yeah. this song came out, came out, yeah? yeah? And we're still talking about the issues 50 years later. Yeah. No, thanks for picking that, Marianne. That was uh, my pleasure. Pleasure and to I hear. I hope, hope our listeners enjoyed it too. I know Jack would have. He would have looked. Been sitting there going, good on you, Maz. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Jack. It's I'm a classic. Taking it anyway, whether you said it or not. <laughs> All right. Uh, we mentioned that the tax office is uh, looking to bring in a hardline um, substance abuse uh, drug and alcohol policy. Oh, yes. This um, is a doozy, isn't it? This is by Sarah. 
Basford Canalis, Canberra Times. Um, anyway, managers at the Australian Tax Office could soon be expected to dob in staff members that they suspect might be using illegal drugs outside of work or drinking on the job under new rules proposed by the Human Resources Office. The Australian Taxation Office's proposed zero-tolerance approach will force managers and colleagues to be on the lookout for behaviour that might indicate someone in their team is under the influence of drugs or alcohol or might be impaired from it, such as a hangover. How stigmatising is that, Jeffrey? Hey? Well, can you imagine? look like a drug. He looks like a drug well, user. Let's dob him in. And a lot of people got no idea, no experience. Absolutely. No, none of their business. No. It's... And this is about private behaviour in a public setting. And you just think, do we have a private life, yeah? Well. Apparently not, according the, to the ATO. This, this, this is really disturbing, yeah? Yep. Managers will be expected to document discussions had with anyone suspected of being impaired and speak to witnesses of their behaviour. It will also require that those notes and observations be passed on to Human Resources Unit for further investigation. But the Australian Taxation Office said its planned policy adjustment was nothing for public servants to be concerned about. Oh, really. just us, yeah? <laughs> People who don't work there can be concerned about it, but not employees. I, I suspect a few might be a little concerned. I think concerned. they could be, yeah. Uh, adding that drug and alcohol policies, quote, were common throughout the economy. Its aim was to set organisational expectations for staff, quote, to assure employers that risks are being managed, to protect fellow employees and to support employees that may be struggling with addiction. The article goes on, but the tax branch for the Australian Services Union is concerned that the new, quote, hard line rules will scare employees from coming forward with issues. Branch Secretary Jeff Lapidos said the burden was placed on managers to report any suspicions they had over their staff to the human resources team for potential misconduct action. Quote, the ATO's policy of taking misconduct, misconduct action against everyone who admits to any illicit drug use or inappropriate use of alcohol will only drive this conduct further underground, he said. He goes on, no employee will be able to seek support from the ATO, from the Australian Taxation Office, to deal with any addiction or related health issues. A spokesperson for the ATO said policy changes were needed to address, quote, the evolving needs of a modern workplace, end quote, but would not confirm whether there had been a spike in substance abuse, substance abuse, it says, issues within the agency. According to the tax agency's latest census results, staff wellbeing was recorded at 74% which rates six points above the average across the public service, including similar-sized agencies. The Public Service Commission advises alcohol or drug abuse, that their words, not mine, may be in breach of the APS Code of Conduct, especially in cases where it affects performance or the safety of, co of colleagues. But this policy seems to extend way beyond just not being, you know, fit to work yeah, this during has, work yeah, hours. This extends into what you say in a tea break or a coffee break or at lunch about what you did on the weekend. Yeah. Basically, it's about reporting people who admit to illicit substance use or alcohol, overdoing alcohol, if you like. It's, just, it's a real it, Pandora's it's box. It's about yeah. what do you do in your private life. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's it's really problematic. Agency heads are expected to, quote, uh, issue reasonable directions to employees about their use of drugs or alcohol, it suggests. Other agencies, including Department of Home Affairs, have also introduced strict drug and alcohol management uh, policies. Home Affairs employees are subject to random drug and alcohol tests within the workplace and are prohibited from drinking on the job and can never take illicit drugs regardless of the type of duty or location of the service being performed, including whilst working from home. During the 2019-20 financial year, the department uh, conducted more than 2,000 tests with two returning positive. Oh, huge, well, that was a waste problem. of money, wasn't it? Yeah, how much did that cost? Oh, a, a lot. Yeah. They're not cheap, those drug testing. No, 2,000 of them, yeah. Wow. But Mr Lapidos said it was the wrong approach. This is the union spokesperson. Um, the wrong approach for staff at the tax agency calling on human resources head Jackie Curtis to reconsider the approach. Quote, the Australian Taxation Office needs to take the opposite approach to encourage its staff to deal with these problems, he said. It's disappointing that Jackie Curtis, the ATO's Chief Operating Officer and the head of the Australian Public Service Human Resources Stream, has taken such an old-fashioned, hard-line approach. And I wonder why. That really worries I would really like to know the background to that, where that came from, where that issue came from, where the idea came from. And who's pushing it. And Who's pushing it, yeah. It's an abstinence-based approach yep. and it's impinging on people's private life from the workplace. And it's, uh, I guess the workplace, you know, private lives impinge on the workplace, so the reverse is that a necessity, you know. That's a real worry for me, Geoffrey, that article. Do you want to do the one about uh, the alcohol industry trying to uh, heavy the World Health Organisation? Yes, let's staggered do by that. This. Okay. The next article. Australian booze lobby urges WHO to plan, to abandon plan to slash consumption. This is by Dana Daniel of The Age, January 21. Australia's peak body for the alcohol industry has written to the World Health Organisation urging it to abandon a, quote, problematic end quote, 2030 target of reducing per capita alcohol consumption by 20%. As a new report warns, alcohol lobbies are trying to water down public health measures. Alcohol Beverages Australia said individual member countries should instead focus on reducing harmful consumption, excuse me, by problem drinkers, defined as those who engage in, quote, heavy episodic drinking with associated harms and made up a minority of drinkers. Public health advocates warn that alcohol companies, including the Australian industry, are hampering international efforts to tackle the harm caused by drinking and seeking to undermine scientific evidence as the WHO consults on new measures. Um, the Australian Booze Association, the ABA, which lobbied to water down pregnancy warning labels in Australia, is fighting to overhaul the regulator, argued dangerous drinking was on the decline in this country. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that right? Where'd they get that data from? Which should be, quote, used as a case study to highlight the exceptional strides that have been made, end quote. 
as alcohol companies and their lobby groups made 60 submissions to the WHO con consultation on the plan, almost a quarter of all submissions, quote, making misleading claims and misrepresenting scientific evidence. End quote. An analysis by La Trobe University's Centre for Alcohol Policy Research found most submissions, that's 90%, called for greater alcohol company involvement in harm reduction and policy making. The report found more than half the alcohol industry submissions cast doubt on the WHO's evidence-based policies, while only 36% referenced any specific evidence to support their arguments and most, quote, misrepresented the evidence, misinterpreted the evidence or, quote, promoted weak evidence. I mean, it's only a suggestion or a plan to try, an aspiration to reduce yeah, by 20% by yeah. 2030. Yeah. And they're freaking out. Yeah. The WHO is due to consider the Global Action Plan, which proposes to use evidence-based policies targeting the price, availability and promotion of alcohol products, health service improvements and drink driving prevention at a meeting to be held from January 24th till the 29th. The Action Plan seeks to progress stalled public health changes, but public health advocates warn efforts by the alcohol lobby to give manufacturers a say in measures such as warning labels threaten to totally derail the project. <laughs> judging by their submissions, yeah. Yeah, 90% of the submissions, wow. The report's author, Professor Robin Room, said alcohol lobby groups were using well-known tactics of, quote, misrepresentation, misinterpretation and promotion of weak ev evidence, quote, end quote, to water down health policy. That sounds very political too, doesn't it? It sounds very reminiscent of um, Australian it, federal politics, it, yeah? It does. Foundation for Alcohol and Research Education, or FAIR, and we often um, quote them when we uh, talk about alcohol. Uh, FAIR's Chief Executive Katerina Georgie said alcohol companies have been lobbying for decades to, quote, minimise health concerns and delay any effective measures to reduce alcohol's health impacts. Alcohol causes considerable harm to millions of people across the world, which is why strong global action is needed, Ms Georgie said. In Australia, we've seen alcohol companies fight for 20 years against pregnancy health warnings, and we've seen them attempt to water down the national alcohol strategy and also stall the release of the national alcohol gu guidelines. Manufacturers, manufacturers, quote, should have no role in the development of health policy, she said. Mm. Hear, hear. ABA President Andrew Wilsmore defended the reasons for industry involvement in politics, in policies, sorry. Quote, when the winemakers, brewers and distillers whose livelihoods are affected by alcohol policies have a legitimate role to play in transparent public consultation processes to ensure that those policies are effective, efficient and grounded in reality. In its submission to the WHO, the ABA said it is committed to the responsible consumption of alcohol, as long as it continues, I assume, Geoffrey. We quote, we focus on supporting effective behaviour, pro effective programs that focus on education, awareness and changing behaviours relating to alcohol consumption, the lobby group said. Quote, the alcohol industry works closely with stakeholders such as government, consumer groups and health professionals to implement solutions to excessive drinking, drinking, end quote. Christina Spakova, President of Global Action Harm Re Prevention, Alcohol 
harm prevention organisation Movendi International said that the alcohol industry was attempting to derail the WHO plan. Uh, she's quoted as saying the countries around the world report that alcohol, the alcohol industry interference is the biggest reason for the lack of progress in reducing the alcohol burden. She goes on to say the alcohol industry is undermining the science and misleading the public on the harms associated with their products. After a lost decade for alcohol policy progress, the alcohol industry should not be allowed any longer to disguise the fact that their products cause cancer, are toxic, addictive and tetragenic. The industry had a fundamental conflict of interest, she said, and the WHO should protect its health policy formulation processes from interference by yeah, the alcohol yeah. industry. Yes. Yeah. No, look, look in Australia, they're, they're incredibly powerful and clearly even at the global level. Um, well, given that Australia, what, above the, the top, the, the highest alcohol consumer per head, Internationally, is that right, or in the top five? I think in the top five. Mm. But certainly, I think Mum might find that Finland or some of the um, colder countries might be a little bit more um, pervasive in their more of consumers in their in their. It's uh, a widespread. Yeah, it is a widespread issue and has the impact of alcohol consumption has so much to be said as against its consumption. Um, the, it's social impact, it's uh, economic impact. Domestic violence. Domestic um, violence, yeah. Just the number of people who are in jail because of intoxication or alcohol-related issues yeah. has always been at a very high level. And the number of people who actually commit crimes under the influence yep. of alcohol has always been at a very high level. Uh, Professor Tony Vincent in mm, 1984, no, yeah, about that presented a paper, uh, presented a report on that, saying that the largest num a large number, 98% of people in prisons had committed their crimes under the influence of alcohol. Wow. Yeah. He was very uh, advanced, Tony Vincent, in his, some of the reports that he did. He was very, quite factual, quite um, intellectual, feet on the ground and... Uh, said, you know, since 1898 we had known that that um, incarceration did nothing in the way of therapeutic. No. Which is, you know, Nothing's in changed, 1984 yeah. he said that and was still putting people in jail at a rate of knots. Eh? Yeah, but it is staggering how influential the alcohol lobby is, even in... 90% of the submissions were from the alcohol lobby. You'd wonder why they felt it that necessary to have that many submissions to the WHO um, consultation process if they weren't afraid of, of the outcomes yeah. or of the results that WHO might come up with. Well, they've, they've kept suppressed a lot of the um, negative aspects well, of their product. The you know? misleading, misinterpretation, you know, just telling yeah. lies, yep. blatantly telling lies, exactly what the tobacco lobby has yep. been doing since 1950s. Very similar you know, MO, isn't it? They knew the facts in the 1950s, didn't ever tell anybody yeah. the impact of tobacco. In fact, the government was busy promoting it because of the taxation that they were getting out yeah. of it. So they were basically saying, go right ahead and, you know, showing people smoking everywhere, yep. every time, all of them. 
part of relaxation, part of life. The same thing can be said for alcohol and the way that is, um, the way it's promoted, the way it is expressed, the way that it is shown in the background, mm. all sports events. All sports, yeah. Yeah? Yep. yep. It really promotes, you know, monkey see, monkey do type behaviour. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Take your booze and to the cricket and watch. Just presented as a normal behaviour. That's right, uh, yeah. Part and parcel, part and parcel of, of normal of life. everybody's day, yeah. yeah. And um, nothing to be worried about. No, and it's interesting because I don't smoke. I don't so drink. I beg your pardon. I do smoke. I don't drink, but and I'm not a um, a wowser. I don't necessarily think we need to be abstinence based, but I do think that misinterpretation, misrepresentation of the truth, is not productive. No. I'd rather know the truth about alcohol and the news. It's recently the news that alcohol caused cancer. To me, that was news anyway. um, It's only been made publicly, public knowledge as far as I know recently, Mm. but it is interesting to know. And why has that been suppressed for so long? Yeah. Alcohol lobby. Alcohol lobby. Yeah. All right. uh, Thought I'd play uh, an ACDC track. one of their classics, it's uh, High Voltage, ACDC. Remember them going down, um, down is it Spencer Street or I think Flinders was, Street? Uh, Something Swanson in Victoria? Street. Swanson Street on the back, back of the of a, truck yeah. playing that. Yeah, they've Bo- played that clip a few times over the last few weeks. Oh, they so, yeah. classic. I, I love the Bon Scott era. I mean... Yeah. I know his replacement was a good rock and roll. Oh, he was a great rock and roll. No, nothing against him at all. But you know, back to just... the original, he was he was part and parcel of the original. And you know that's why Angus was wearing his wore his school uniform to practice because he came straight from school. Yeah, he was that young when they started playing. Classic Such man. a great piece of music. Yeah. All right, we've got another positive story from New York City. Um, it's by Alexander Lechtman from filtermag.org. New York City vending machines to distribute free naloxone and other supplies. Before the end of 2022, New York City residents should be able to access naloxone, sterile syringes and other harm reduction supplies from a handful of public vending machines for free. It's a new approach from the city where drug overdoses are continuing to rise, especially for African-American residents. To install the machines, New York City's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene is partnering with the Fund for Public Health in New York, an independent uh, non-profit. On December the 8th, um, Fund for Public Health in New York began offering grants to local harm reduction organisations to install vending machines in their neighbourhood. Contractors must be registered as a, quote, an opioid overdose prevention program with New York State and provide services directly for people who use drugs. That's very positive step. Yeah, that's great. That's my birthday, December the 8th, by the way. Good on you, New York. Good on you, New York. Uh, Quote, we need to utilise all of the tools at our disposal to save lives and increase access to critical harm reduction and wellness supplies. On January 31st, the city will award $730,000 in total among six different contractors to fund 10 vending machines. All 10 will carry naloxone and five will also carry sterile syringes. Other items stocked may include safer smoking kits, safer snorting kits, condoms and pregnancy tests. That is good. That's That's, great. That's quite a wide array of... Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, you know, it was always... Safe, 
shoot clean. Yeah. yeah, that was the mantra. That's so true, Mary. From HIV. The city will provide the naloxone free of charge, but everything else is up to the contractors to provide with their own funds. We can expect the machines to be in place sometime after June. Quote, in 2020, New York City experienced the highest number of overdose deaths since reporting began in 2000. Wow. And we need to utilise all of the tools at our disposal to save lives and increase access to critical harm reduction and wellness supplies, said Victoria Merlino, an assistant press secretary at the Department of Health and Mental... What is it, D.O.? Can't remember the acronym mental health? Department of mental health, mental, <laughs> Department of health and mental hygiene. Oh, that's right. Told, yeah, told filter. Told filter. I hope this isn't contingent upon the mayor in government at the time, because often policies tend to change from mayor to mayor. That's true. Um, nonetheless, it's a good a good initiative. Based on 2019 overdose mortality data, the city identified 12 areas with the highest fatality rates as priority candidates for getting one of the 10 machines. These fall across all five boroughs, including Rockaway Beach in Queens, on the city's outskirts, and major tourist hubs like Union Square in Manhattan. Previous research has also identified some of these areas as being amongst the most at risk for other public health problems associated with drug use, such as HIV and hepatitis C transmission. A vending machine that dispenses supplies like syringes and condoms can help reduce bloodborne disease transmission. And the idea just you know, by the side on the side, Jeffrey, that they'll also have pregnancy tests is a terrific idea. It's a great idea. Because young um, African American women getting pregnancy tests is very stigmatizing and lots of women ignore that potential mm. of being pregnant simply because it means they have to go to a service provider yep. and that way get identified. Anyway, the article goes on. Discussions with people uh, discussing with people who use drugs and other residents will determine which supplies other than naloxone each neighbourhood's machines will stock. We won't know more details on the machine's locations until after January. So that's now. Quote, the areas listed are a starting place, Molino said. Final vending machines with locations will be determined in collaboration with community-based organisations and with input from community members. That sounds quite progressive, doesn't it, really? It does. It's, it's to actually consult really good. the affected community. Is, yeah. Or, well, we always say yeah, that's what should happen. Yeah, nothing about us without us. And that's, you know, so... And I'm really pleased because so many people um, have had such a lot of problem being involved in needle and syringe, handing out those as peers, yeah. identifying as peers, very... Um, Stigmatising, and in New York City, really doing it yourself. in your own area yeah. is a real issue yeah. because people see you and gossip. You know, it, it, New York is a big city, but it's a small town in a lot of ways, or a group of small towns. We won't know. I did that. The cities will be requiring contractors to speak directly with people who use drugs in their neighbourhoods, as well as other residents, elected officials, businesses, public housing groups and law enforcement, of course. These, those discussions will determine which supplies other than naloxone each machine will stop. 
I wonder if they're insisting that naloxone goes in there because it's the basis is actually overdose prevention. So oh, I, naloxone is the principle. It's got to be there, yeah? So the primary motivation was yeah. how, how do we reduce... Overdose. Number, yeah. yeah, I think it's a great idea. The machines must be accessible 24 hours a day or close to it, but may require a special swipe card or PIN. Uh, in 2020, more than 2,000 people died of overdose across the city, primarily related to opioids, specifically fentanyl. Demographically, um, African-American residents face the highest overdose death rate. Geographically, parts of the Bronx, East Harlem and the North Shore, northeast shore of Staten Island have recorded especially high death rates. New York didn't invent vending machines. Similar machines exist in Nevada and Ohio and Indiana just opened its first in the lobby of a county jail accessible for nearby residents and people leaving the jail. Other countries with these machines include Germany, Australia and Canada which also has a program in which machines dispense a safe supply of prescribed hydromorphone and why, in Canada. Why yeah? can't we have that? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind that one. In late 2021, New York City finally opened the first sanctioned safe consumption sites in the United States after first promising to do so back in 2018. Within just three weeks, the two sites had reversed, uh, uh, had reversed averted at least 63 overdoses. This is all happening in a political climate where Mayor Eric Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul are supportive of drug safety measures over which their predecessors drag, were dragging their feet. Well, good on them. And yeah, as you said, good the on them indeed. The mayor in New York is a, a very influential... With the mayor and the governor. So that actually, that's two sides, two yeah. facets, if you like, of uh, the governors yep. in New York City. So that's great. That means it's not just the mayor. Just the mayor, it's, it's the governor It's actually both well. the governor. It's the governor, which who I think has a longer term than the mayor does. Well, but good, I'm not sure. Good that, on both of them. I, yeah, can't applaud them enough. No, it's nice to have a positive story to report. It is, especially from New York. Yeah, it's been yeah. a long time coming. All right, so we'll play another song. This is um, one of my favourite songs, very emotional one. Um, yeah, sort of was one of Jude's favourites too. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I thought you might play that. Into My Arms. Yeah. All right, welcome back to uh, News from the Drug War Front. That was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and Into My Arms. We're heading off to the UK for our last story, uh, Marion. Yep. Yeah, you want to kick that one off? I will indeed. Uh, addiction to painkillers has soared during the pandemic as GPs hand out longer prescriptions, experts warn, which is interesting. I was just saying to Jeff off air, in this. Australia, we had uh, when the um, the real time prescribing monitoring through pharmacists was uh, being introduced in Australia. They were shortening the periods over which a period of time over which people could actually get painkillers prescribed for. So every five days, you basically had to get a new prescription. People in chronic pain had to keep chasing up doctor every five days. In the um, UK, though, they're doing it over a longer period of time because of the pandemic. 
Experts say... So this is by Steve Adams from the Mail on Sunday, January the 16th. Experts say the readiness of some GPs to hand out longer prescriptions during virtual consultations is contributing to a surge in addiction to painkillers during the pandemic. The UK Addiction Treatment, UCAT group, which runs treatment centres, said that half the number of people, that the number of people it treats annually for prescription opioid addiction has risen by almost half since 2018. Explaining the increase, UCAT Addictions Councillor Nuno Albuquerque said it's especially because of the rise in virtual appointments like telephone appointments with GPs. Quote, we have feedback from clients saying that they feel it's more rushed when they have a phone appointment. They feel they haven't got time to say what they need to say. This end of the quote. In such circumstances, he said, patient and doctor may not have time to explore alternatives to powerful painkillers, which include mindfulness or exercise. I love the way they always chuck that in. Yeah. Mindfulness and bloody exercise. Sorry. Pardon that, I didn't mean to throw that in, that swearing. But it's just that, you know, the alternative is walk up Mount Ainsley and that'll make you feel better, that'll get rid of your pain. The Mail on Sunday explains, understands that some GPs are signing lengthy repeat prescriptions for opiate-based medicines, such as the painkiller Cocodamol, after consulting with patients on the telephone or by video conference. Well, if that's the only way they can have an appointment yeah. um, what, in the pandemic... What do you expect? Yeah. You're yeah. just going to say, we're not going to do anything? I mean... Yeah. It's either hand out pain relief or don't hand out pain relief. Yeah. If you, and if you're not going to see the person and not going to pay that much attention to their pain, what's causing it and how to manage it, you might as well just deal with it by prescribing, by prescription. Yeah. There's any other way. Um, so it may actually be a, a, a lifesaver for many people mm. rather than just something to be uh, critical of. Um, after COVID-19 struck in early 2020, the proportion of face-to-face GP appointments plunged from about 80% to near a half in the middle of yes- last year. That figure has since recovered to about 6 in 10. A repeat prescription is when a doctor gives a patient permission to obtain multiple prescriptions of a drug from a pharmacist for a specific period of time. I wonder what the percentage is here. Um, yes, yeah. During the pandemic. It would be really interesting, wouldn't it? Because I, I know that there's still a lot of uh, telehealth yeah. things. In fact, we're being encouraged to do telehealth That's rather right. than anything else. And yet just before the pandemic, we were being told we weren't allowed to do telephone consultations or have prescriptions done Without over the, the phone. It's yeah. just, you yeah. know. Yeah. So as long as it suits the system... Yep. Let's have telehealth. Things can change. Yeah. Mr Albuquerque said, quote, I'm not a medical doctor, but from my point of view, as an addiction specialist, I think six months is a long period of time to be prescribing opioids for. People can develop a habit or addiction after a couple of weeks or a month, so I would be opposed to that practice. Prescription opioids are handed out to about 5 million people a year, according to a Public Health England study in 2019, which found that more than a tenth, 540,000, had been on prescription opioids for at least three years. The National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, or NICE, 
advises that such medicines should only be prescribed for days to weeks because of their addiction risk. Harry Shapiro, director of the charity Drugwise, said, quote, Dealing with pain is difficult for doctors. You can't see pain, even in face-to-face consultations. Well, that's true. That's... And it is true. Yeah. Nonetheless, you can see. In fact, if you notice, people with chronic pain often look very grey. Yeah. Yeah. So although you can't see pain as such, you can see the effect of pain. Right. And I wonder, Geoffrey, if people in chronic pain are actually happy about the length of time that they're actually having. The, if their pain is being managed, firstly, if their pain is being managed by the length of time they're being they've been allowed to be on opioids for, or whether they're just acquiring an addiction because of the um, way in which prescriptions are being provided. Look, I've always said um, freedom from pain should be a fundamental That's, well, I human would have right. thought that would be the first thing that would, should be counted. Well, especially as we have the means to, to do it, yep. you know. It's... Yeah, although in Canada they say they haven't. Hydromorphone will do it. It's simply a matter of how often you have to provide, you know, the, the drugs to actually um, remain free of pain, yeah. right? It's the long-acting yeah. drugs that they prefer to provide yeah. because it's less expensive for government mm. to provide things like methadone. It's not as it's longer acting, yeah. same as Buvital. It's um, longer yeah. acting. Yeah, so the cost comes Much down. Much more convenient yeah. for government. Well, especially yeah, but the... not necessarily for the person in pain. No, and that's what should be important. Should be the principal guiding factor, Jeffrey. Isn't that? You know, I mean that. Yeah. See, we say that every week, gang. I mean, I really feel like a... Is there an echo in here? It's still going round from last week and the week before. Yeah, but it's, it's a point which I defend, you know. All the time, every time. Yeah. And that should be the first point in any discussion, yeah? Okay, it just concludes with another quote uh, from Harry Shapiro uh, from the charity Drugwise. Um, quote, if a doctor refuses to prescribe any more, patients may well go online and buy what they want in any quantity with, with no checks. Absolutely. And that is the... I mean, that's the last word. First word should be, is the pain being managed? The last word is, well, if it's being managed but they can't get access to those opioids, they're going to get them some other way. Absolutely. So The black market. Yeah, the and all the stuff in between is just blah. Yeah. Rubbish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just in Phil. Yep. Oh, well, Jeffrey. That uh, pretty much sees us out for this week's show. I hope. Yeah. What um, a surprise. People and... are staying safe and. Yeah. Please stay safe. Look after yourselves. There is a lot of of uh, COVID going around. This Omicron variant is absolutely rabid. So easy to catch. Uh, not so easy to get rid of. It is a, around. It is in people we know. Please be careful. Please keep yourself covered up. Keep your masks on when you're out in public. Yeah. Or, well, more likely when you're in enclosed, enclosed spaces, space, yeah. more importantly. Yeah. If the masks drive you crazy, spend more time outside. I yeah. suggest if you're going to have meetings with people, 
do it outside go for a where walk, you can. Go to a park, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, but just look after yourself. Please inject safely and cleanly. Yeah. Use your drugs advisedly. Find out as much as you can about them. And if you need more naloxone, give Karma a call. Always there and always available for you. 6253 Yeah, That's it. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, gang. We'll talk to you next week and look after yourself. We love you. Indeed. I love you, Jeffrey. I love you too, Marion. Bye bye. Leave you with uh, our theme song, Gold, yep. Golden Brown. Bye.